So how is the program looking for Humane, Kat? So Humane, our AI conference for media and marketing, is really starting to look like a pretty great program, if I say so myself. Uh, lots of really incredible use cases in marketing. We'll have a couple of really spicy panel discussions on AI in the newsroom, how media organizations are thinking about AI and the transformation for the industry as a whole. Humane is on May the 28th. Early bird tickets are on sale now. Save $90. Go to humane.au. That's H-U-M-A-I-N dot A-U. I'm Tim Burrows. My guest today is Patrick Delaney, CEO of Foxtel Group. He's been in charge of Foxtel for six years and involved in the group for much longer, including as boss of Fox Sports. As an organisation, Foxtel has changed a lot. Under Delaney, Foxtel has embraced its streaming future after several years of being the disrupted rather than the disruptor. With Binge and KO, the company is now a major streaming player. We chatted last week the morning after the launch of Foxtel Group's new streaming aggregator, Hubble. But the conversation covers a lot more than Hubble. I began by asking what was waiting in his strategic inbox when he came back in 2018. Well, I mean, Foxtel's got such a great history. Um, Had, in the day, peaked as a very, very profitable company, billion dollars EBITDA, with two million subscribers. But by the time 2018 came, the world had been repriced by Netflix being 10 bucks. So what looked like value at 100 was no longer. So the first thing in your metaphorical inbox was a a big downdraft of revenues, like big. Uh, And it was mainly through spin down of packages and churn. Um, That wasn't wasn't necessarily evident from the the surface. You had to get right underneath because of the amount of discounting that was going on and also the bundling through Telstrom. The one thing we knew was that we were paying for all of the con- we we're paying content rights for movies, drama, and sport for the whole country, but we were only monetizing those rights to less than twenty percent through Foxtel, and we weren't in the streaming. And the Foxtel brand itself stood for something, right? That that was almost meaningless, almost dirty to a different generation, the streaming generation that had gone in, that think mum and dad are silly for having Foxtel. And we weren't participating in that market. We had a little business called Foxtel Now, which actually still exists, right? My personal view is if we hadn't have put the word Foxtel in, right, it had been a separate business, it would have got off to a better start. The package was priced a little, a little cheaper. So what we needed to do, at the end of the day, the, the business is about monetizing rights and we need to get money for our sports rights. So the first thing we did was, okay, can we get some life back into Foxtel? Can we make it grow? Can we do that through 4K and cricket? We went and spent a lot of money on doing that. We did big campaigns and we couldn't get a pulse back, right? So we flipped into the main strategy, which was maintain Foxtel as long as we can, right? Run it for cash. Stop doing above the line promotions that annoy subscribers. Try and hang on to the subscribers as long as we can. So be content with older, 
richer Australians inside Foxtel and people at love, right? And we could see that was naturally going to continue down. But then get into the younger Australian sinks, single income, no kids, double income, no kid, and young families. Now, young families in, say, the Kim Williams era was the era. Young families are the ones that want good value entertainment and they stay at home and watch the whole family, right? That is multi-channel or multi-app pay TV. So we went about doing the brave thing with Kayo. And a lot of people said, you know, you're too late to streaming, you're going to go broke. And then when we launched Kayo, they said, this will kill Foxtel, you're going to go broke. But strategically, that was what we had to do. Culturally, because this company had been Australia's powerhouse, there was an attitude inside that we know best that we can shoo off Netflix. We shouldn't carry Netflix, which was always a confusing decision to me because Foxtel's an aggregator of content. Why wouldn't you carry Netflix if our customers want it? So culturally inside Foxtel to start with, we started talking about the new world, but it was pretty clear that if we started a business like KO inside Foxtel, it would get killed. And we'd done that previously, right? We started Presto, did it on a terrible platform, but the culture would be to protect Foxtel. And Presto, unfortunately, didn't work. So Kaya was set up in a different building with a different CEO and a different team <clears throat> um, and to make sure, you know, that we could move forward. Now, over time, and I do think, you know, COVID, we thought the world was going to end literally. And financially, we all thought we would go broke. But it was a time to use that crisis where we really did be, do big cultural shifts. Basically, the whole middle management of Foxtel left, right? And middle management is that part that stops things. Senior you, managers, you know. And you say that line <clears throat> almost as a throwaway line, but the change, and I guess the determination required for that middle management to leave isn't to be underestimated. Well, and it, well, I say, I say it. I didn't certainly didn't mean to throw it away because it was a, a very um, harrowing and sad time for all of us. We were in the middle of COVID, and we had to shed nearly a thousand staff. <coughs> Excuse me, and they were shed on Teams meetings. Mm -hmm. Some people had been with the company twenty years, so it was a sad moment. Um, but that was where the rump of the cost that needed to come yes. out. But it was also where we needed to get some fluidity to get a completely different cultural and, shift. And that's what I'm getting at is, I suppose, it wasn't just about cost, it was about it was delivering culture, culture change. To, to move into a more fluid, hey, this is the story, we're maintaining Foxtel, we're growing through streaming, and we've got this other pillar, which is we've got to be really efficient. I'd say to all of the staff, we have to be match fit, mm -hmm. all right, which means we need to shift to outsourcing. If someone else can do it more efficiently, we need to shift there, right? We don't need to own all of our infrastructure. Uh, we need to shift to digitization. You know, the, the, we have this magnificent building that we've just shut down that in 2004, when the company launched in digital, it looked like something at a NASA. And it had people walking around in white uh, coats and there were thousands of people in there and beautiful gleaming servers. That got replaced with a suitcase yeah. last year. You know, the world's changed and we needed to shift that culturally. Mm -hmm. I think also you know, introducing some values that were created by all of the employees 
And we do have group values that we stick to really, really strongly. You can see the card there, putting the customer first, being authentic, winning together. And then each division of the company, because we're now a conglomerate. We haven't found a better word than Foxtel to use for the conglomerate, mm. but over at KO, you know, they use different words, but they've also got values. Yeah, well, look, and I think <coughs> in a minute we'll drive a bit more into that sort of like, I guess, the brand family yeah. question. Um, so look, I, th I think the success story of the pivot was greater than many people expected. Um, often, you know, the incumbent struggles to make that pivot. There are, there are more cases where incumbents in all sorts of industries have failed and succeeded. Um, you, you partly answered the question talking about the technology, I think, but what did you get right with Binge and KO that before you got there, Foxtel didn't get right with Presto, which was its partnership with Seven. We, we didn't protect Foxtel. So from day one, every piece of sport, everything, all the live, all the back catalogue, everything went on to KO. The secret to it was try and get to a separate market and don't upset the others, right? So KO was a different brand that we presented in green and young, but more importantly, um, the form factor of live, in essence, live video on demand versus Foxtel's live channels is what we did. We literally copied what Netflix had done. And I think we, we termed it as the Netflix of sport. And, and look, that now needs to evolve because streaming is no longer the, the, the new kid on the block. Um, KO is no longer a new kid on the block. You know, we used to hide the channels so it didn't look like Foxtel. We've now moved the channels up. But, you know, weirdly, a channel guide is probably the least sexy thing in media, but the thing most used. You can see with a seven-day guide where all your sports are. Um, there's all of that stuff that still is in the, in the coming, you know, 12 months. Kaya will evolve to be far more multi-generational in the way it looks and feels. Yeah, that's interesting. I suppose it's a bit like in, you know, in days of yore, the, the TV guide in the newspaper yeah. was the unsexy thing that was probably the most read thing yeah. in the newspaper. And when we launched uh, digital in 2004 for Foxtel, we had sexy things like, you know, 100 channels and um, uh, pay-per-view movies and watch your sports characters and, and record with the touch button. But the heart and soul of it was always the guide because it was the guide around which you could plan. And that was the start of metadata, the guide. And metadata now runs everything especially this new thing that we've launched, Hubble. Mm. It's all about the catalogue. Well, let's talk about um, Hubble because you, you've already alluded to the fact that <clears throat> some of the strategies have been about focusing on specific demographics. Who is Hubble for? Hubble is for the streaming generation. It, its brand is to unify KO, Binge, Stan, Netflix, all of the mainstream streamers and make I think streaming life easier. There's nothing wrong with the apps. The apps are fantastic. All of them. Uh, Netflix especially. Once you're inside, you can find anything. The truth is, though, we are watching a repertoire these days of more than one app. And we're forever going in and out of the apps to find what we want. You've got watch lists in there and you've got search in there, but nothing unifies them. And we're going in and out of our inputs. We want to watch live channels and free-to-air TV. Hubble changes all of that. Mm. You, on Hubble, you can watch live free-to-air TV local channels without two remotes, because you need two remotes, one to control whatever you're doing, the app, and the other one to change the input for the aerial. 
You can do it just with the Hubble remote, and importantly, you don't need an aerial. And it will still be streaming the local output of the local, the And that's been done in cooperation with all the free-to-airs mm. who have been fantastic. And of course, streaming their local channels means that they can get into addressable direct advertising, right? And I, I think in digital, it doesn't matter whether it's a live channel or it's video on demand. If it's a digital asset, it's a digital asset. Mm. You know, us consumers, us Australians don't care about VOD and all that stuff. We just care about our shows. So if there's a question I'm still asking myself, and I, I know having seen you present at the, the launch and talking to you that you're a believer in this. Um, for me, my, I guess my ultimate question about Hubble is, let, 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 let's take for a moment as a given that it's a superior experience for navigation, finding things, all of those things. Um, lots of households might have a fetch box, might have the Foxtel box, might have Chromecast, Apple TV, Amazon Fire Stick, etc. And habit is really powerful. Um, so even if people understand that there might be, in theory, something better out there, how do you get people to shift their habits? Is that just a, a marketing exercise? No, it, I, I think the first thing is you've, you've got to have, I suppose, the skill sets in the company to see the future. That's the first thing. Then you've got to find the technology that can deliver the, like, appreciable shift. Mm. And this is a massive shift. Mm. You can't compare this in streaming to an old pay TV platform like Fetch that's been repurposed that has no exclusive content. Mm. You can't compare this to Foxtel. Foxtel is for live channels recording, right? Foxtel puts the apps in one place but doesn't fuse like this. You can't compare this to a Chromecast that was created 10 years ago with a view to putting one or two apps up. It's a different era. Mm, mm. You know, none of them do what we do and none of them have had the cooperation to do it. So that's the tech. I think then you've got to be a good marketer to be able to, to market that. I think getting people like Hamish and Andy, getting for the first time ever, and this has been my goal the whole time I've been at Foxtel, could we get retail happening? Retail for Foxtel was far too difficult because yeah, when you, you go into a Harvey Norman and they tried so hard for us, you go in there and you, you couldn't take away a set-top box. You had to stand there for half an hour talking about your package and getting a date. It, the, the retailer couldn't make money. We couldn't make money. We were much better off, you know, doing, doing things direct. This is different. You know, you go into a Harvey Norman or a JV Hi-Fi, we've trained them all up. They'll show you this thing. They all believe in it and you'll see it, and you can choose between a $99 puck, which is dirt cheap for that tech, mm. or these magnificent TVs that are very affordable, 1500 bucks and 2000 But then I think the last bit is you've got to get word of mouth. If you can have someone that has had this puck that can talk like me about it and say, this is a shift, mate, you're an idiot. You've got to go and get one of these things. It doesn't matter mm. how cheap something is if another thing really works and this thing really works. So we've got retailers a big component and yeah. that's I think JB Hi-Fi and Harvey Norman and Harvey, if I remember yeah. right. You can buy it direct from us yeah. over the yeah. net. Then uh, you've already talked about word of mouth. What about above the line advertising? What's the marketing strategy there? Well, um, this is carpet bombing. We're going hard on this um, and it'll start from mid-March. 
the strategy, I, I've got to tell you, uh, over my 30-year career, I've, I've seen a lot of pitches, right? And on, on this product, we got the usual pitches, you know, uh, uh, a broadcast tower full of TV sets, uh, couches flying through the air, um, Hollywood movie stars coming through the wall at me, all that stuff that was all really confusing. So we sat down quietly and thought, you know what? This is a retail play and it's about tech. That's the first thing. So let's just go through this. Let's, let's do a campaign that's, that identifies the problem. In marketing, it's either you know the problem and you're looking for a solution or you don't yet know you have a problem, but you do. Like you, you could in your village, right, be used to walking 500 meters to the well and not know that if you bought a hose, you wouldn't have to do that again. But I'm fine going to the well. So you've got to do those two things. So problem solution and then endorsement. Endorsement by who? Someone, is someone going to go, okay, I believe it. So we rebriefed and we said, you've got to come back with those two things and then who are you going to endorse with? And the Joy Agency came back with Hamish and Andy. And specifically, they said, if we could get Hamish to direct, dress up as Hubble and be Hubble. So you've got the personality endorsement, the humor in it and the fun. And then they said, let's license Red Foo with everybody shuffling and change it to everybody's Hubbling. And we will see, right? We will see in two weeks time, but the, the ads have tested well. It will be overwhelming marketing. We have to establish the brand. Um, but you see, you see from last night, all of our partners, our content partners, all sent along their executives and all sent along uh, talent, right? It was like being at the Logies. It was a unifying event. They all want this to work because they want a unifying moment because the streamers are all being ravaged by, by churn, right? It was funny, actually. Yeah, one of the things that really struck me was I went along to the Foxtel Media upfronts and that was the night that Foxtel announced it was probably moving away from Oztam as its measurement system. And that felt to me like the night that Foxtel split up with the rest of the TV industry. Um, and then at the launch, it really felt like there was, um, everybody was getting back together again. Yeah, and I wouldn't say we're splitting away from Oztam. You know, I, I think we're still in discussions with, with Oztam that, that there is a need for um, a new way of measuring as well as the old way of measuring. But, but you know, even, even with Hubble, right? The fact that all of the networks through their apps are going to become more and more digital. I mean, the old thing of reach, the way it was measured um, and average audiences, you know, for us as an Australian industry to compete and get our share of ads against the globals, we've got to be having a currency that's united and accountable, right? And so, you know, that's the discussion. But um, we certainly, I, I think maybe over the years, there's been too much us and them. Foxtel's an aggregator business, right? We aggregate other people's content, but of course, unlike the rest of the world, we have our own as well. And I think certainly our intention as a management group and the people that are running Hubble is to be completely independent and to be very generous, right? That's what consumers want. That's what will run this, but it's good business too, because our partners in it need to know that they're getting that breath of air through their content, that we are gonna run a platform that people can come and go. I mean, the, the continue watching function is sensational. The watch lists are amazing. The integration between, in search, between all of the various parts of the streamers, but also 
YouTube and everything that we do and the catalogs that we've got. It's a unifying factor. And the good business here is if you can be in and around others, like streaming, you have a, a walled garden opportunity yourself, direct to consumer. This is that moment where you're not in a walled garden, mm. where you can be right next to someone that might have a hit and your post is there too, and vice versa. You might have a hit and they mightn't. Go back to Hubble for a moment. Let's talk about the, the, the product roadmap from here. Yeah. One of the things I found myself thinking about at the launch was trying to sort of be the one place, the one box, the one solution. Yes. At the moment, as with the dotted line, unless I want a PVR. You know, I, hey, look, it's, it's dangerous using yourself as an example, but, you know, I spend as much time using my Foxtel box to fast forward through the ads in Survivor as I do for anything else. Is a PVR somewhere in the product roadmap? No. Why not? I think that's an old fashioned way of thinking about things. I think um, the PVR is Foxtel's business, right? And it does it unbelievably well. That IQ5 is the world's best box. And with all of our excuse exclusive content, we want to keep people that like watching live TV and recording, which is another way to get divide, right? Um, and if you want to fast forward through ads, that does that. But recording, that's the, what you're talking about is fast forwarding through ads. Mm. Actually, Hubble does the recording. Now, last night, there's only so many things you can show but the watch list is a recording, okay? Because everything on Hubble comes from apps, right? And that's VOD by definition. Yeah. Even in the live program guide, okay? If you go through and add something to your watch list at a future time, immediately when you go back to the watch list right now, yep. it starts. And do you then give the consumer the means of fast forwarding through that? Well, look, that's, that's a matter for, we represent our partners. Um, so that's controlled by their apps rather it is, than rights. It is. Um, and, you know, they seem to be going the opposite way. They seem to be adding more ads, mind you, in tiers. So, for example, on Binge, our ad tier has been unbelievably successful. The entry level at $10. Um, people see that. They see the price is $10. That includes ads. For $18, there's no ads. So there is a, sit of, a bit of a bifurcation of that. Sky went, has gone another level. They've got, um, we'll take the ads out of everything if you pay us another five quid. That's something maybe that, that could come in the future. Um, but that but, will be in the hands of those content owners rather than, yeah, it will, than it Hubble will, but, being but the solution Tim, to that. Most of them, you can get a discount for ads. Yes. And if you want to get rid of the ads, you pay a little bit more. Sure. You know? Yes. And, and to be, look, our colleagues in free TV uh, through their apps and channels, that's their business, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's the difference okay. between pay TV, you can still fast forward, right? Um, and in this world, um, you can't necessarily, you can fast forward, but maybe not through the ads, if they have ads, right? Um, but the recording things are furfy. Mm. This thing actually does recording because everything's on demand. Yeah. Now, Foxtel Group, majority owned by News Corp, yeah. so its results are reported as part of the News Corp results yeah. um, every quarter. So we can have a look and we can see how Binge is doing, how yeah. KO is doing. There's a lot of transparency there. Will you, right from the beginning, be re reporting the quarterly numbers for Hubble? I don't think so. Um, I, th I think, um, you know, we're a small part of the News Corp group. Um, but I, I suppose that's a question for Robert and, and everyone. Yeah. In Robert Thompson, who is yeah. global CEO and he was yeah. at the launch event. Yeah, he was. He was. Um, he's very, been very supportive of, of all of this. 
Um, I mean, this is one of the great things about uh, News Corporation. Uh, it's always been a visionary company that's willing to take a risk, you know, and do this. Um, so, uh, but let, let's see. Uh, it's called Hubble here. It's called Zumo in America, and it's called Sky in the UK. Uh, the South Africans that are a very big pay TV network have decided to go like we are. I, they're using a, a name that's like WD40 or something like that. Um, but, but again, bifurcating uh, from multi-choice. I, I think you'll see this tech being used in a lot of countries. Well, let's, let's widen the, the, the focus to the, the, the group as a whole. Um, let's talk about the cost of content rights, particularly, I guess, sports rights. Um, the moment when we're seeing two things, we're seeing costs go up all the time and also the codes splinter their rights so deals seem to spread across a whole number of providers um two part of the question is is that good for viewers and have we have we reached peak sports content costs do you think uh, the, on the latter question um i i, I really don't know <laughs> i i thought uh things might have peaked a little before covid when they started to go down uh at, but you know, it's like if you're selling your house, you'll need one other interested buyer. So I don't know where they'll go. I do know that, that we've come to uh, a position where affordability is an issue, you know. Um, so we'll see. Uh, a lot of our rights are, are locked down for, for a period of time. On the former question, I don't think it is very good for consumers when the rights get split out. It's very confusing. The position in America is abhorrent, right? Because they've got... The old rule of uh, if the game is live in a local town, then there's then it can only be a national signal, but not live in that town. So that makes broadcasting extremely difficult. And then they've split out all of the rights on all of the franchises, and there's no way consumers are happy. Um, but the state of, I suppose, the state of the industry is that the sport itself is getting more and more money. But at some stage, you've got to know when to stop squeezing. What's the you hardest negotiation you've ever been part of for sports rights? I think all of them have been different and difficult and uh, character-defining. Um, some of the NRL uh, experiences I've had have been pretty out there. Uh, 2015, when we were... That was the one when there was a bit of a blindside with nine they, suddenly. Yeah, sit, sit quiet for the weekend, everything's okay, and they did a deal with nine. Needless to say, we were pretty unhappy about that and uh, we got it sorted. I think as a result of that, by the way, the relationship between that, we got a lot of dirty linen out. We got a, a very good relationship with the NRL. The AFL relationship has always been a little difficult. You know, um, they tend to come from a traditional area and certainly seem to favour free-to-air TV. That's changing slowly and the rights we've got for 2025, they are mind-blowing. Um, in terms of Super Saturday, and we can finally do our own commentary and everything, uh, and graphics. Um, rugby over the years has been interesting. You know, um, I certainly think they made a big mistake moving, uh, uh, but that's theirs, and, and I hope that Nine can make some money out of, out of it. Um, and soccer breaks my heart. I mean, we've invested a lot of money early on. But every rights negotiation is different, and of course, the number one thing in any negotiation is to try and know what's on the other side, to your point. You're a lawyer by background. Um, can media regulation be future-proofed? I was a terrible lawyer, uh, which is why I moved out of the business. I think I had a, 
a lot of forgiving people around me when I was when I was in law. Um, can regulation be future-proof? I think that's an oxymoron. I, I think by definition, regulation is based on facts from the past um, and cannot anticipate the future uh, unless it is regulation that enables a, an industry to flourish. And in this country, that is certainly not the case. The regulation is founded in the past. Um, I think uh, our politicians need to have a look at what uh, young Australians are watching. They're watching TikTok and YouTube. This idea um, that free-to-air is a national treasure um, wasn't even true when Kerry Packer had his way 20 years ago. Um, there is no doubt, by the way, that Australians love free TV. It's, it's a unique thing. So I'm not underestimating that. We don't, we don't argue on the government's policies. We think it's fair enough that, that sports events of an iconic or, or national heritage should be available for free. It's ridiculous that everything is that. That's ridiculous, right? We also think in the 21st century, it shouldn't be that it made available for free by broadcast. It should be, if someone's willing to make it available to fr for free, then that should be enough. And 93% of Australians have broadband, so by definition, they can afford it. And the rule for broadcasting on the anti-siphoning list with, with free-to-air is it's 50%. So that makes no sense at all. Um, and then, um, you know, in and around some of this stuff on prominence. I mean, Tim, you've seen our products. We really give free-to-air a go, um, and especially in the Hubble device. This debate should be about making sure that Australian businesses are not cut out on these things. Um, and, you know, the ambit claim that free-to-air had of having a roadblock of apps. Uh, I'm glad the government didn't go down that route. Um, and we've got a Senate inquiry and hopefully the Senate inquiry sees that that would have been a folly. But free-to-air is still asking for a roadblock on search. Well, you would never, I mean, if, if the government said, um, if, we, if you do a Google search, only Australian answers will come up first. Or even in this, some of the practical applications on sports, I mean, we're, we've got a paid, paid platform. It's fair enough that Fox Sports comes up ahead of Seven, but Seven should come up. But what if it's news? And I say Gaza Strip, or I say, I don't know, whatever the news event is, and it has to come up in the order of free. So SBS, ABC, all that news first, right? Then Seven, Nine, Ten, and then finally you get some other news. All of that's wrong. Mm. That regulation is out of date because we should be regulating for consumers. So, you know, you, this device is owned by you, all this stuff, it should serve you, just like Search does. So you've dealt with a lot of communications ministers over the, yeah. the, the years at various points. Um, let's take the most recent three, so Mitch Fifield, Paul Fletcher, Michelle Rowland. Marks out of 10 for each three. Oh, I wouldn't do that. I think, look, all of them have, um, and, and I go, look, you know what? After this long in the business, I've been through two or three CEOs of every network, every sport, and four or five of these ministers. Um, uh, I think the current one, I've got to say, <coughs> she excuse me, she plays her cards very close, but I feel the government listens. Um, there have been some regimes uh, and governments where it's just been free to air, free to air, free to air. I feel we get listened to. Mitch Fifield was a listener as well on the Liberal side, and I think one of the few ministers to take something off the list you know, for example, uh, and think about 
the digital future. And I think this is the government, the government should be thinking about how there is an Australian industry, right? Instead of forcing, like you take the drama, right? We love Australian drama, we love making it. But forcing us all to make Australian drama is like to a fish and, ship, a fish and chip shop owner saying, you must just sell flathead, right? We've got to be able to sell the things that our customers want. And it could end, we could end up with an industry that actually has no Australian participants and you've got Netflix and everyone else making our stories. And you've got to say, in that context, what is the function of the ABC? I thought the ABC, and I'm a big fan of public broadcasting, the ABC is part of our democracy. It's a very central part. That's where Australian voices should be coming out in Australian stories as well as everyone else. You know, if we're going to do it, stop taxing everyone to do it and start funding to do it, I think. Let's zigzag around a few more topics in the time we have remaining. Um, fast TV, free ad-supported yeah. television. Um, big growth area here in Australia and in the US. Um, over in the sister company of Fox Corp sits Tubi, which yeah. I know is repped locally by uh, Foxtel Media. Yeah. Um, can Tubi be bigger in Australia? I'm, I'm surprised you're not doing more with it. So here's the interesting thing. In, in America, they actually don't have anything for free. All the broadcast networks are broadcast through the cable networks, <laughs> right? Um, Tubi represents something quite unique in America because it's free. Uh, and I think that's the key to its success um, going forward. We've got very strong free-to-air networks that, as we've just discussed, have been protected as, as, as commercial entities. So free actually does mean free here. Um, we'd like to get into free, and we could get into free um, if, if the regulations were eased up. So, um, yeah, I'd say on, on our part also, the majority of our rights are based in and around, the, well, all of our rights are based around having pay rights. So we can reduce the price down and we can put ads or no ads, but the jump into free is quite different. And I'm not sure I've seen too many businesses be able to take content that was free and then get people to pay for it. I think the way that Netflix is doing it, the way we're doing it, where it's cheaper with ads is probably a better funnel, but there's no doubt free is a great promotional tool. The best way to sell TV is through TV. Yeah. So I am very jealous of um, someone like Stan having nine uh, to push forward or Paramount Plus having 10 to push forward. And of course, those two businesses make all of the regulation murky because you've got a free-to-air network um, in sports, for example, that, doesn't, that, that only has to acquire rights and not show them, that can then do whatever they want with the rights on their pay side. So things, you know, going back to your regulation question, you, you can't regulate um, for the future by restricting through the past. You've got to regulate to allow businesses to flourish. I think if, 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 if I'm hearing and understanding what you're saying correctly, I think what you're saying is that fast as a slice of the market isn't something you're particularly strategically interested in. No, we're in. not. We're not. We're happy to represent uh, fast channels. Um, but I've got to say, I think there's going to be a lot of TV with advertising in it. Um, uh, Amazon Enter, what, what is it in the, um, the third calendar quarter? Mm -hmm. uh, that's going to be interesting. Uh, we're now a big player in advertising generally across our linear channels, but now 
in sports in KO, I mean, we are getting a great premium for serving up addressable advertising. And so with programmatic and everything else and direct, uh, so is Binge. And everyone's moving that it's going to be really crowded, you know, okay. in this small market. I'll try and race through some more topics. Um, Foxtel, you've already mentioned sort of the, the long-term plan is to run the business for cash. Um, how long until the satellite gets turned off? Well, that's, look, that's an interesting question. Um, we, we look at that from time to time. Um, and Optus, our partner uh, from the satellite, uh, continues to make it uh, more and more affordable to keep the satellite. But you've got to say the IQ5 experience, we've now turned the cable off and everything's fed through IP, um, is pretty seamlessly similar to a satellite these days, and the MBN's very reliable. So um, that's a really good question, and it, it is all going to depend upon what the cost of the satellite is, right, and the, the cost of switching over. Uh, future of Foxtel Group, um, the drumbeat was quite loud around listing, presumably on the ASX through an IPO. Um, that's gone quieter. Is that moment gone now, do you think? Well, there haven't been too many companies listed in the last three years, right? Um, but that is a question, Tim, you'll have to go to see Robert Thompson and Susan Panuccio about because I just operate the group, you know, not the shareholder. And th th this, this next question might be in the same department as well. Um, looking back not that many years, Network 10 almost became part of the Foxtel family. It was repped through multi-channel network, which is now Foxtel Media. Um, if 10 came back on the market again, and there, there are noises about Paramount out of the US at the moment, would you want to take a look? Or is that moment gone? Again, it's a bit of a shareholder question to ask, but, but um, I think at the moment we've got sufficient assets. I think we're good enough at promoting things. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. We'd need to think about that. Um, there's a lot of talk that the asset might come up or whatever. I, I don't, I've never seen the evidence of that. Whenever you talk to the Paramount people, <coughs> they're very happy with the positioning of having a pay TV company and a free company together. Now, you're one of the names that's sometimes bandied around as a potential future leader of News Corp Australia. Um, if Lachlan Murdoch asked you to, would you serve? I think that's way outside my skill sets. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a pay TV television guy and the skill sets required to run the group and everything else is, is way out of my, uh, yeah. I seem to remember Kim Williams was promoted from Foxtel to that role. He's got a much better intellect than me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, final question, um, which we are always ask all of our guests, um, what would your critics say about you? What would your supporters say about you? I think, um, first, firstly, um, I, I think the you, you mean our company, because um, I don't know what they'd say about me personally. Um, I think the critics uh, of the group are usually um, saying, no, 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 you're not going to make it. You can't make it. You know, they're going to get you. Um, the supporters will go, wow, this company and this group should not be underestimated in terms of continuing to deal. And it's messy and it's a white knuckle ride. And everyone from the chairman, Siobhan McKenna, down through myself and the team. You know, it is a we at this place, not an I. And I'm very proud of the way we continue to deal. We can only deal with the cards we are given and we've got to go hard. 
So I think that's the way. You've got a bifurcation, like everything in this business. A lot of people going, no, no, they're going to go broke. They're not going to make it. And a lot of people going, wow, you know, you've, you've, um, you've, you've exceeded our expectations. Even Hubble now, right? What is this Hubble? They talked about what is this cater? Let's see. We, we've got to sell this thing. So hopefully we continue to uh, prove people wrong. Patrick, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Tim. This podcast was edited by Abe's Audio. I'm Tim Burrows. More soon. Toodle pip. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.